Proverbs 12. Uh, we've been going to this scripture beginning in verse 1 as kind of our foundation for our altered series. Uh, altered, A-L-T-A-R apostrophe D. My life is being altered. I'm learning about the altar. I'm learning about how to connect with God at a deeper level. How many of you say, Pastor, I want to keep growing on my spiritual journey? How many would say that? I want to keep growing. I don't want to get stagnant. Do you know what happens uh, when we get stagnant in our spiritual journey? Uh, that's, where, that's where the enemy begins to bring uh, accusations against us and confusion in our life. That's where we begin to believe his lies. It's, we get stagnant. We, we must keep growing in the Lord. And understanding the altar is a critical aspect of that. I, I want to say this. Our lives will never be transformed. And the heart and essence of Christianity, please listen to me, we, we have... Many people in the church, people that come to church that are Christians, do not understand the, the, the heart and the essence of the gospel. Becoming a born-again Christian it is more than just your sins forgiven. How many are thankful sins are forgiven? Man, I think it's awesome. I remember as a little boy, you know, being in church, and, and we didn't have a children's church in those days. Anybody ever go to a little church and have children's church? It, it, you know, I, I listen... It got, I had a lot of trouble trying to be still in church through all those services. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, and I remember hearing bits and pieces of pastor preaching about the end times and the great white throne judgment and that, you know, people are going to go and uh, everything they've done is going to appear before me. And I remember thinking, my God in heaven, all this stuff I've done my mom and dad don't know about, I'm going to go to heaven. It's going to be, I thought like a drive-in movie, you know. And there's my whole life up there, and all seven billion on the planet are going, I can't believe he did that. And, and I see my mom crying and everything. I thought, this is going to be bad. I'm scared. You know, what am I going to do? And I was just getting bits and pieces, and I, I couldn't see it. So believe me, forgiveness of sins is a great thing. Can we say amen again? It's, it's great. But listen to me. The essence and the heart of Christianity is not only our sins are forgiven, and we get to go to heaven when we die, but we are given a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. And the power of God that walks into our life when we accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit begins to live in us. How many know that? We become temples of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens our human body. And then the Bible says that, that we can do all things through Christ. And 2 Corinthians 5 says that we become a new creation. Listen to me. The bottom line of Christianity is not just we, our sins were forgiven and I get to go to heaven. The bottom line, line is He changes our life. We become different people. How many hear what I'm saying? God's, the gospel has the power to change your life. We're not just the same people doing the same things just added Sunday to our schedule. He changes our life. It's the power of God to do that. that that's, it's, it's, it's what we believe. It's, it's everything we do is based off that. Believing that God can change your life. That if you're addicted to something, He can break the addiction. If you're bound, if you're a person that's depressed, you can be free from depression. If you're a person that hates and prejudice, you can be free from hatred and prejudice. How many are with me? Those things can be broken. Insecurity, inferiority. Addiction, sin, strongholds can be broken by the power of God. That's why we, we have to say, listen, see, that's why I don't feel compelled to agree with everything that we call political correctness today. Because I'd rather be politically incorrect and biblically correct. And so here's the point. Watch this. You'd say, uh, and, and this is just something we got that's in, in, in our culture everywhere. I'm not trying to just 
make, you know, zero in on one area of sin. There, there are a lot of sins that people can be freed from. But we're here today such a debate, maybe on homosexuality or transgender, those kinds of things. Well, you know, here, here's what people miss that don't know Jesus, that don't understand the cross, that don't know the power of God to change their life. What we're saying is anything that disagrees with Scripture is sin. Not just homosexuality, transgenderism, pornography, adultery, gossip. Okay? So here's the point. If I were just to say to you, and the Bible says you can't do that anymore and you need to stop, just stop that right now. That's pretty tough, isn't it? And people say, well, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is my nature, whatever. But here's the deal. Here's the deal with the gospel. See, we're not just running around being people's moral police. We are saying... That through Jesus Christ, the things that separate you from God can be forgiven and your life can be changed. And what you used to do, you don't do anymore. Who you were, you're not that anymore. And so you understand the power of the gospel gives hope and freedom to people struggling with issues in their life. You understand that? And for us just to compromise and say, okay, well, you know, do whatever you want to do. It's okay. I mean, you know, and you always say, who am I to tell you? Well, I'm not anybody to tell you, but the Bible has the authority to tell me. And before we get too, you know, overwhelmed with who's a sinner, who's not a sinner, I usually find that the more time I spend at the altar, come on, look at me, the more time I need to worry about George Sawyer and, somebody, and not anybody else. You understand? I always find out, can, can I tell you something? I've never met many critical people who live at the altar. You understand that? I, I haven't. I, if, when I find critical, judgmental, harsh, ugly, uh, pompous, religious elites who think they're more spiritual than everybody else, here's what I know. They don't know much about the altar. Because those are not spiritual qualities. They're selfish, uh, fleshly, carnal qualities in somebody's life. And so when we're coming to this altar, here's what I find. The closer I get to God, the more clearly I see Him, the more clearly I see that George Sawyer needs to keep changing and growing and developing. Anybody with me right now? Okay, so you, you can do that in any area, and that's why we will speak the truth in love. It's not because we're going to just grab a few issues and talk about what's, you know, the hot topics and those things. You know, we don't do that here. But what we need to understand is that the gospel will change your life. God changes us from the inside out, and that brings hope. How many are thankful for that? How many have hope that God will change you and, and rescue you and turn you around? It's the good news. So we're talking about an altered lifestyle. I'm not going to have time to go through his entire journey, but I want you to, today, we're, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. He was an altar builder. Abraham lived an altered lifestyle. Now watch this. Let's go to Romans 12, 1 to begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, and we can say sisters, in view of God's mercy, remember we've always said that, in view of God's mercy, what do I do? Offer your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. You know, I'm, I'm going to give this a session on what worship really looks like before I'm through with the altar series. Uh, and, but the Bible says here, and I want to hit you with something. I want you to think about this, that if I'm not completely giving myself to God, surrendered and said, God, here I am. Now, you know what I've told you before. The, the, the challenge with living sacrifices is that we keep crawling off the altar, right? You know, the dead, when they tied him on and he stayed there, you and I, we... You know, we, we commit and decommit. Come on, how many understand what I'm talking about? You don't look at me like that. You know, oh, Lord, here's everything on Sunday morning. You know, we sing, I surrender all to you, everything, you know. And then, then Monday, somebody pushes your button. You say, I'm going to surrender everything but my right hand to you today, God. 
right? Or I'm going to surrender everything but my tongue to you today. See, so we commit and decommit, commit and decommit. You know, you kind of do that in your marriage sometimes, don't you? Don't look at me funny. I love and I don't love. I love and I don't love. I like and I don't like today. Come on, don't look at don't. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Now, me and Phyllis have never done that, but I'm talking about other people, right? That commit and don't commit. Love and don't love. Like and don't like. See, so here's what happens. Living sacrifices, that's our response when we really understand how much God loved us is mercy. But what I want you to see is what happens when you and I begin to live an altered lifestyle is that it becomes your GPS to find God's destiny in your life. The altar becomes a place that keeps you on track. It is a place of surrender. It's a place of trust. Let's, because, so let's read two verses. We've not read the second one together. Let's go back and read one again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You know, if I've never really given myself to God, I may never have really worshipped. I may have gone to church and sang songs and raised my hand and danced and broke it down. and you know, But I may have never worshipped yet if I haven't given my life to the Lord. That's where worship begins. But now watch what happens when we do that. What's the fruit of an altered lifestyle? Look at verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's another way of talking about the altar. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But what? What I told you earlier, be transformed. Aren't you thankful that I can stop conforming and start being transformed? That's the hope we have. What By the renewing of your mind. Watch this. Then you'll be able to test and approve. What God's will is, His good, His pleasing, His perfect will. When I give myself to the Lord and I surrender and I quit playing a Christian game and I say, God, I'm in this thing, I'm here, I'm yours, I trust you, here's my life, the Bible says that I begin to understand the will of God for my life. I begin to know what God wants me to do. It begins to be clear in my life. Who am I supposed to marry? What kind of person am I supposed to date? What kind of job am I supposed to take? Where am I supposed to go to college? What kind of degree should I have? What's my vocation? Where should I live? The Bible says that as I live an altered lifestyle, the will of God begins to become very clear in my life. Questions we wrestle with. Uh, big decisions in life that, that are important to us that we, we think, well, you know, what do I do? I have no idea. Those big decisions of life become clearer and clearer as we live an altered lifestyle. Anybody with me right now? Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 and verse 7. Let's, let's see what the New Testament has to say about Abraham. Hebrews 11, 7. Let's turn there, please. Let, let's get a New Testament view of what we're, we're going to uh, see here in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7. I, I really, I, I, I intentionally went to verse 7 here in Hebrews 11 because I want you to see something. Uh, when we begin to read the, this chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, this chapter of faith, the, great, the greatest chapter on faith in Scripture, I want you to see that the first two people mentioned who were examples of faith were the first two altar builders in the Bible. The very first person to ever build an altar was Noah when he came out of the ark. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Now, you realize it took him 120 years to build that ark. 120 years to build the ark. Talk about obedience. And it had never rained on the earth at that time. Can you see that? This guy's building a football-sized boat, football field-sized boat. And his neighbor said, what's that? He said, it's an ark. What's it for? It's to float. Float in what? 
There's going to be a flood. What's a flood? It's going to rain. What's rain? He's a crazy old coot. But there came a day that crazy old coot looked mighty smart, didn't he? Obedience is powerful. So built an ark to save his family by his faith. He condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that's keeping with faith. Let's go on. Now let's read about Abram. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, look at this, he would later receive as inheritance, later receive as inheritance. What's this word? Obey. That's what I want you to see today. And went, even though he did not know where he was going. Next verse. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his son and grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Next one. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He didn't leave everything and move to the promised land just for the promised land. He said, I've got something coming after I'm done on this earth. I'm, I'm going to live in a city whose builder and maker is God. Anybody understand that? He said, I'm living for eternity. Or how many get that? My perspective of today is because I see tomorrow. My ability to say yes to God today is because I know what tomorrow is going to be. I'm willing to hurt, to obey, to be blessed when that day is coming. Anybody understand that? There might be times it's tough to say yes to God. In fact, it's a lot of times tough to say yes. If it wasn't, everybody would be obedient. All right, one more verse. Look at this. We have to bring in Sarah. Oh, no, go back to Hebrews 11. Thank you. Uh, 11, 11. Let's read about the lady. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Who's the him? God, not her husband. God. And then let's look at verse 12. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came to send us as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. How did that man move in that journey? How did it start as Abram? From Ur of the Chaldeans. He was from Ur of the Chaldeans. A idol-worshipping heathen whose father had moved the family halfway to the promised land from their home uh, and stopped in Haran. And then that's where Abraham was. Let's go to Genesis 12.1. And he kept moving and kept moving and kept going until he became one of the greatest men we've ever read about in Scripture. The father of the faithful, the blessing of God came to us from Abraham. How did he get there? How many believe God's not through with you yet? Let me see your hand. How many believe there's room to grow in this thing? Yeah, it's exciting. So how did he get there and become this man of faith and, and become the father of these many nations? And how did these things happen to him? Well, Abraham... When we first meet him, Genesis 12, 1 is Abram. Notice what we read here. What, what does it say in Scripture? The Lord, have you got this pulled up? The Lord had said. I read that for years before I got the had. I always read that like this is when God said it right here. This is the first time we found it. The Lord said now. No, it says the Lord had said. So somewhere before this, listen to me, God had already told Abram what his plan was. But it took Abram a while to say yes to God. And everything that happened to Abram, listen to me, all the blessing that came to him, came from him, came to us today, was waiting on Abram to obey God. The Lord had said. The Lord had said. You know, sometimes I wonder, and I have people say to me, Pastor, God never speaks to me. I believe God has spoken to us, but we've not done what He said. So maybe He's talking to somebody who's obeying Him now. Come on, does that make sense? 
Why, why, why should God give me a rhema word, a prophetic, a revelatory word, now word, if I haven't been willing to obey the written word of God? You got what I'm saying? And so we see here this man who began this incredible journey. This wasn't the genesis of that journey. This is not where it happened. We're just coming to the point, watch me, where Abraham chooses to obey God. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land that I'll show you. Let's go. I'm going to read all this through, through verse 8. I'll make you into a great nation. Was he a great nation? No. He said, I'll make you into a great nation. You understand that? Then he said, I'll do what? I'll bless you. That's a new term. All right? Then he says, I'll make your name great. Was his name great? No. But he said, I'll make your name great. You see what happens when you begin to obey God? God begins to make things that weren't there before. The Creator begins to create when the creation obeys what He says. All right? And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Let's go. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I'll curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4. So Abram went. So he did. As the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. I want you to say it's never too late to start obeying God. Isn't that amazing? It's never too late to start obeying God. Do you know that some of the chances you missed early in your life, when you go to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry I said no to that. I want to get back in this thing. And God says, come on, let's hit up and go. Let's go right now. Isn't that amazing? So, uh, verse 5, he took his wife Sarah's nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Verse 6. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Borah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Verse 7. What did he do? The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I'll give this land. He did not give him this promise until he obeyed him and stood in the land. See the progressive revelation that comes when you obey God and the last thing that he'll tell you the next thing in your life. Does that make sense? Have you ever had anybody that you like to talk to and you're talking to them and, and they, they're not, they ignore you, they don't pay attention to you, they don't do what you said? They, you know, it's just like, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to do something else. See, in, in business, uh, you know, it only takes enough. You, you talk to somebody and they give you your word and they say they're going to do it, right? And you're counting on them to do it and they don't do it. After a while, you say, you can't trust that guy. I'm going to go find somebody I trust. Is that right? Isn't that how that works? You give somebody a job, you get a job, and you, you land a contract, and you say, I can fulfill the contract, this is what I'm going to do. And, and, you know, you miss your deadline, and you miss your deadline, and you miss your deadline, and you miss your deadline. And you know what finally happens? You lose your contract because they're going to find somebody who'll do what they said. The Lord appeared and said to your offspring, I give this land. So what did he do? He built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now look at verse 8. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel, Bethel, Beth, house, El, God, the house of God, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So, you know, there's one thing you begin to watch his journey as Abram journeyed from this idol-worshiping heathen to a man that would be transformed into the very father of the faithful. He built an altar, built an altar, built an altar, encountered God, and encountered God. These altars began to be places where Abram grew. See, the first altar he built in verse 7 says he built an altar. But the second altar in verse 8 says he built the altar and he called on the name of the Lord. You know what happens? The more often you live an altered lifestyle, you begin to find out more about God. You begin to know who he is. You begin to know the name of the Lord. He begins to come your father instead of just your sugar daddy. 
instead of just Santa Claus, where you have a list and run, say, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. Or, or, or instead of Zeus, who's going to throw a lightning rod at you, he begins to become your father. Anybody understand what I'm saying? And you begin to meet him at the altar, and you meet him, and you meet him, and you meet him, and you surrender, and you surrender, and you trust, and you trust. And when I just used to build an altar, now I build the altar, and I call on the name of the Lord. See the relationship growing. See the development of that process in his life. It's an amazing journey that this man begins to take. Let me say this. Uh, In chapter 12, there are verses 1 through 4. This is the beginning. Obedience. Let me show you something. Obedience. The beginning of obedience. This is where the nation of Israel was birthed when that man said yes to God. The nation of Israel. A whole nation for one man obeying God. The kings, the prophets, the priests sprung from that obedient decision right there. The, the covenant that, that there would be a, the Messiah would come and salvation would come to the world. I'll bless the earth through you. Came from that place. You know what else came from that place of obedience? That's the first place we read about blessing. See, man had fallen and the curse of sin was resting on this planet and everybody living in it. And now God says to I, when I find an obedient man, I'm going to bless you and the blessing is greater than the curse. See, we live our life trying to escape the curses of our sinful nature, our fallen nature, our own devices and what we do. How many know what I'm talking about? We do. We're like old Jacob the deceiver. We keep trying to make life work and we're slick willy and, you know, and, and fast Mary and, and, and this one and that one and lion Larry and, and you know, conniving Kathy and, 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 you know, unfaithful. I can't think of a you. You listen and, 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 you know, all this stuff we're doing. And, and, and what happens, he says, if you'll come to the altar, if you'll come to the altar, if you'll get real with me, if you'll surrender and trust me, if you'll just do what I said, said, I'm going to show you who I am. And you know, all the curse of sin, the, 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 the things that people say, well, I just can't stop sinning. I can't stop that. I can quit all these other things, but these three things I just can't conquer. You, I'm right. That's right. You can't. You never will. And until you meet God at an altar, you're either going to make an excuse for those sins or just give in and go with it. And so you come here and you say, God... I can't whip this thing. God, I've tried. God, I can't do it. I know it's wrong, God. And I, but but, but I'm, I can't make it. I just can't do it. I can't get there, God. He says, just trust me. Just obey me. And, and, and it's where we meet grace and mercy and kindness and forgiveness. It's not where God slaps us and beats us and rejects us and screams at us. It's where he says, let me help you. Let me give you what you don't have. Let me give you my strength. Let me give you my mercy. Let me fill you with my spirit. And as we do that, see, we keep coming back. And, and you know how life goes. We, we, we're moving with God and we've built an altar and it, it, it put us to the next place. But we have to come back to that altar. Go to chapter 13 and, and verse number 1 uh, here. I've kind of got to try to wrap this more quickly than I had anticipated. Genesis 13:1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel. We just read about Bethel, didn't we? To the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And there Abram did what? 
You know what happened between that last altar in Genesis 12, 8 and this third one, or this third encounter in Genesis 13? Abram had gone down into Egypt. There had been a famine. And what did Abram do? He said, look, I know you called me to Canaan. I know this is where I'm supposed to be. But God, I'm hungry. And there's a famine. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave the will of God. And I'm going to steer my family. We're going to go down in Egypt. And God, I'm going to get this one, God. I'll take care of this one. But what happens when you begin to walk away from the altar and realize that instead of trusting God and obeying God, now it all rests on you. Then you start making silly, crazy decisions. So now he's worried about somebody's going to kill him, right? So what does he say? Sarah, come here. We need to talk. Now, look, you know how beautiful you are. I mean, you're, you're something else, girl. And, you know, when, when, when we get down there, you're so beautiful. If they find out I'm your husband, they're going to kill me to get to you. So here's the deal. If you really love me, see, can I help you ladies something? You know, you know those clowns have been saying that for a long time. Did you hear that phrase? Ladies, if you really love me, next time you hear that, just remember, there's a clown talking to me right now. There's a devil talking to me right now. Come on, baby, if you love me, baby. So he says, come on, if you love me, girl, tell him you're my sister. Why was he doing that foolishness? Because he had walked away from the altar. Because he had taken it in his hands, and now he's got to make it work. you understand that? And so what happens? Finally, you know, the, the, the king finds out what he's done, said, I ought to kill you, but I'm going to let you go. Get out of here. And so what does he do? Watch this. What does he do? Chapter 13. He has to go back to the last place he walked away from God. And go back to that altar. And aren't you thankful that God didn't slap him and rebuke him and say, Tough, buddy. You, you made a mistake. You're a big boy. You're so smart. Go on. No, he comes back and says, God, forgive me. He goes back to the altar and he repents and he asks God to bless him. And he asks God to take care of him. And when he does, God moves in and begins to change that situation. It's an amazing thing that he does. Now, I could take you through others, but let me do this and we'll pick this up uh, in my next message. Let me, let me show you something. We don't have time to turn. Let me just give you a couple of thoughts before we pray. We, we see these altars. There was one more that he built in, 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 chapter, in, thir- in chapter 13, verses 14 and 18. But let me show you. He comes to this last... Uh, we, we, we fast forward now. We're in Genesis 22. All right? We're fast forward to Genesis 22. And this is the last altar he ever built. And it was the greatest altar he ever built. How many hear what I'm saying? And here's what I want you to see. God comes to him now. It's 25 years later. No, it's probably 35, maybe 40 years later from when God first spoke to him. And finally, when he was 100 years old and his wife was 90, the boy was born. Isaac came. And he's enjoying this boy in his later years of life. And he's seen the goodness of God. In Genesis 22, God says, Abram, he said, yes, Lord. He said, I want you to sacrifice that boy. Go to Mount Moriah and put him on an altar and take his life and give him to me as a sacrifice. And you know what happened to Abraham? The Bible says he got up early the next day and headed for the mountain. Do you know that chapter 22 could not have come before chapter 12 and chapter 13 and those other altars because he wasn't ready for that. And do you know what I'm telling you today is that if you keep living an altered lifestyle, it will stop trying to beg and and, and plead and make a deal with God. But just do what he said. We allow God to step in our life. Listen, it's not easy to forgive somebody, but the Bible says forgive. And if you will get on that altar, you're, I mean, listen, man, I've had to forgive people before, and I did not want to. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't want to forgive. I'm like, God, they don't deserve to be forgiven. That rascal doesn't need forgiveness. He needs punishments, what he needs. 
And if you look at China for five minutes, I'll punish him right now. Just turn away. I don't have that right. Because I'm supposed to obey. Do you see our altars today? I want you to get this. Your altar, my altar, most of the time, is not something we build with wood and stone. It's the choice to obey God. To do what He said. If you'll obey me, He said, if you'll obey me, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to take care of everything. But obedience is our altar in this day and time. We know what the Word of God says. We know what it tells us to do. Will we obey God? Will we do what He said? And when we do, we free God to be God. We see God in a whole different way. I've told you before that God doesn't make sense sometimes before we obey. He only makes sense after we obey. Did you get that? A lot of people think God's a bad God and a mean God and an unfair God. You know why? They've never obeyed God. They've looked at it from a distance. Look, Abram's carrying that boy with him to go take his life on the mountain. And you've got to understand, for most of that journey, God didn't make sense. But as soon as he laid the boy on the altar and raised his hand, the angel of the Lord said, Stop, I know now that you trust God. Now God starts making sense, doesn't he? Now, oh, this is why you wanted me to do it. There are going to be moments in your life where the hardest thing you'll ever do is just obey God. But I can tell you, if you will do what God shows you to do, it starts with His Word. Do what this Word says. If I'm not willing to do what I can clearly read, how will I be willing to do what the Spirit of God tells me to do? But if I will be obedient, God will meet me every single time. The choice is mine. And the power to keep that choice is God's. As soon as you say yes to God, as soon as you obey His Word, God's power is released in your life. Now, I want you to stand with me. And I want Pastor Joy to come. Please don't leave. Don't leave. I want you to stand. Something really important I want us to do here right now. We've had a, a, an altar service for prayer and for healing. But today, I want to tell you something. Please listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. God has great plans for you. God has great plans for you. God has the power to free you from every addiction working in your life right now. How many heard what I just said? And, and do, you, do you know how, you, do you know what I learned about being set free by God? There were some things in my life as a new Christian, God just delivered me. They were gone. How many are thankful for, for immediate deliverance? But were, is there anybody like me that there were some big things that just left me and there were some other things that were trying to hang on? Anybody ever had some of that stuff? Come on, let's be honest. Listen to me very closely. Do you know how those battles were won in my life? One step of obedience at a time. You don't know how powerful obedience is right now. God, what does your word say? What did you tell me to do? What, what, what am I supposed to do right now? I'm going to tell you, we, we really don't have the option not to obey God. Because every time we do, we start that Abram, Egypt thing. Come on, you understand? We're drifting. We're drifting. And we put one bad decision on top of another bad decision. And one bad decision on top of another bad decision. And the Bible says, I read in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop leaning to your own understanding. Watch what God will do in your life. I want to challenge you today. Say yes to God. It's an exciting journey. It's an amazing journey. God's going to tell you to, you know, as you begin to obey that word, then the Holy Spirit's going to begin to work in your life. And God's going to prompt you to do some things. Oh, my goodness. Say this to that person. Oh, God. 
have people tell me, I've never won anyone to the Lord. I've never shared my faith with anyone. I said, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit's been prompting you to do that. But we keep saying no so we never see what happened. Pastor, I don't want to pray for somebody. What if they don't get healed? Well, what if they do get healed? We'll never know that side of things until we say yes to God. What's God saying to you about your relationships right now? What's God saying to you about your business? What's He saying to you in your marriage right now? What's He saying about your finances right now? What's He saying about your school, about about those things in life? What is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? Listen to me. Say yes to God. Obey God. Do what God says. It's an amazing thing. We're going to, Pastor Joy, I surrender all to you. We, We are pressed up against our time. Lord, I surrender all to you. I want to say yes to God. I want to, I want to begin to walk an obedient lifestyle. Can I tell you, your life begins to become simpler if you make up your mind, I'm going to obey. I don't have to wake up every day and say, okay, am I going to do what he said or not today? See the difference in that? Just you got me. You got me. And God begins to, he begins to show you. He takes you from Abram to Abraham. Inside of every one of us in this room today, listen to me, is something greater than you can imagine. A plan that's bigger than you can think. And it's not too late to get started. Abram was 75. And he walked with God until he was 100. And God gave him the promise. And then God gives him that last test, that greatest altar. He passed it with flying colors. God's not through with us. God's not done with what he wants to do. And, and that prayer you've been praying, that dream you're holding on to, the things that are in your life, let me tell you something. Obedience, obedience. The altar is your GPS to get you to that next place. That's how God transformed you. Today, if you want to say, Pastor, I want to make a new stand for obedience in my life. I didn't say you're not obedient. I didn't say you've never been obedient. I'm just saying, you say, Pastor, I want to build an altar today, a new altar in my life. I want to build an altar. I want to say, God, let me live a life of obedience. If that's you, I want you just to come. Come on, let's stand together here today. You're saying, I'm passionate about saying yes to God. I want to live an altered lifestyle. I want to say yes. Come on, Pastor George, just begin to sing. Why don't we sing this to God today? Lord, I surrender all. Come on, let's trust Him. Come on. You're on the verge of the greatest moment in your life. You're on the verge of something big. Come on, let's sing this to Him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord,
Father, we come before you right now. We just say to you, Lord, with no holes barred, with nothing held back, God, we trust you. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. Your plans for us are greater than our plans for ourselves. Your wisdom is greater than our wisdom. Your knowledge is greater than our knowledge. Lord, as Abram began to obey you, you said you would bless him. You would reverse and deny and nullify the curse. God, as men and women come to this altar today, they are walking in a place of blessing. They are saying to you today, God, I trust you. I honor you. And blessing is released in their life because of that. Father, I thank you for blessing. I thank you that what sin and man has done is broken by the blessing of God. I thank you for the power of obedience. It's not about us. It's about trusting you. It's about relying on you. It's not about being wise in our own understanding. It's not taking advice from someone else. It's doing what you said. Lord, when we do what you said, you make a way where there's no way. God, when we obey you, God, we find your provision. Lord, I pray today, blessing, blessing, blessing on your church. I pray favor on your church today, God. We come before you today and we declare there is courage released today. There is courage released today. Boldness released today. Men and women who will say, God, I will walk in obedience. I will do what your word said. I let go of unforgiveness. I release bitterness. I stop trying to build my kingdom. And I say yes to you, God. Yes to you, God. Lord, my obedience creates an altar where you can bless, where you can provide, where you can come to us. We say yes to you today. Yes to you today. Yes to you today. Lord, our altar is obedience. Our altar is obedience. We trust you. We lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways we acknowledge the Lord and you will direct our path. Thank you, Father, for keeping us off dead ends and and broken places and harmful places that as we trust you, we find your hand of provision. We find the wisdom and the blessing of God. Father, we build the altar of obedience today. Trusting in you. Moving in our journey from faith to faith, from glory to glory, in a triumphal procession. We thank you, Jesus. And we bless you today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church family, let's dare to obey God. Amen. Let's find what God has on the other side of obedience. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Amen.